Welcome to Tights Camera Action, the podcast about comic book movies from three people who are reincarnated beat poets. My name is Owen Vandenberg, and I'm joined as always by my co-hosts, Kyle Scherer. Hello. And Stephanie Kachias. Hello. And today we are talking about the movie, I can call it a movie, right? I think it is a movie, technically. (laughs) Yeah, uh, Tank Girl. From 1995. Hmm. Steph, you chose this movie. I did, I did, and I'm trying to remember why I chose it. I, look, I think, I think I chose it for, for a few different reasons. One is that I have these very, very distinct memories of seeing bits of it at my um, school friend's house after school in, you know, in, in high school. So uh, when I was around, I guess, 13 or 14, um, this movie was made in 95, so that kind of checks out. It was one of the movies that was playing on, like, Foxtel or Optus, and I remember seeing it at a friend's house and being j- just different aspects of it sticking in my memory for whatever reason. Uh, and and also, I guess, you know, we've, we, we hear a lot about female driven um, comic books a lot lately and and comic book film adaptations that uh, feature women and how they're less prevalent than men's for obvious reasons and um, I guess I I just thought you know what there was actually a a comic book Mm. movie in the 90s when when the comic book movie genre was still definitely in its infancy and they were playing with it and experimenting about what what a comic book movie could be and the 90s were definitely that time where we saw lots of different you know attempts at making comic book movies and this one is one of them and it's not it's not a great success it wasn't a great success but it was also now watching it again not as bad as I thought it was going to be um so we can I want to get into what you guys thought of it I was actually kind of surprised at how not shit it was It's the year 2033. There's no law. No mercy. You're gonna really love this one. Bang. And no water. There are three million liters of water underneath the blue dunes, and you will retrieve it. The odds of survival are a thousand to one. And that's just the way she likes it. Hi, my. Talented, isn't she? Hi! Feeling a little inadequate? She'll be fun to break. I like pink. Lori Petty. Did I hurt you yet? Ice tea. Turn this boat around and you're gonna get us off killed. And Malcolm McDowell. Just how many of my men did you kill? United Artists Pictures presents. Just say, I won. I won. Tank Girl. My prevailing thought has been just watching all the way through was is this movie good? Yeah. Like, I actually can't tell, and I still don't know. Yeah. Is it good? Tell me. <laughs> Help me. And there was at one point where I was like, "Is yeah, is the you know, guys, this movie kind of is good in a way. Like it's it's dated and it's very '90s and it's very much and it doesn't, it's not perfect and it doesn't get it right all the time. 
But we've done movies on this podcast that are much worse. Oh, we've oh, done yeah. movies that definitely aren't good. No. Do you remember when we did Ninja Turtles 1? Yeah. And I was very, I was really finding a lot of things I enjoyed about it. And I, and I was also saying, I think a lot of that's rose-colored glasses because yeah. I loved it as a child. I only watched this once on VHS and I barely remembered any of it. Mm. I didn't have much nostalgia for it. And I kind of feel like it's good, but also it's not good. I don't know. So, well, uh, sorry, just uh, on the idea that it's dated. Uh, now, unfortunately, the plot keywords weren't that great for this one. I think the first one was 21st century, and then the second one was like the year 2033 or whatever. So I'm like, well, plot keywords aren't really setting the scene. Yeah. They didn't uh, so want to go for tank or maybe tank, girl. Girl, I don't know. None of the usual sort of like the, the skeleton of the, of the themes and the concept that you get from other plot keywords. So yeah, uh, as Steph said, the movie was released in 95. I've got a quote from uh, an article written in Wired in 1994, uh, just to, to sort of set the scene of how alternative this was. And it's uh, and also a, a good glimpse into like early 90s Wired or like mid 90s Wired. Uh, so it says, Tank Girl movie director Rachel Talele is an online freak who's compulsive about checking her email, the stock market and baseball scores. And it goes on to say how cutting edge in terms of technology the Tank Girl uh, director is uh, because she set up an email address just for Tank Girl, which was tankgirl1 at aol.com <laughs> to find out what comic book fans are saying about everyone's favorite uh, secondhand punk slash whore slash money spinner roaming the outback in, spurt in search of spunk beer, horny kangaroos and shitheads to shoot at. And then uh, it goes on to say that on all the AOL Tank Girl boards and uh, all of the emails to her tankgirl1 at aol.com email address, people were a bit worried that some of that uh, description, uh, which is pretty, in pretty intense for a comic book movie, might get a bit watered down and uh, Hollywoodized. But yeah, that was a, a good glimpse into the 90s era, I think. And, yeah. Well, and just how cutting edge this director was with her email address. To be fair, having an email address in 1994 is is ahead of the curve. Good. And actually, that's really interesting that... Um, so, like, people... A lot of people assume that um, social media and breakdowns between sort of fans and producers of films is really like a post-2000 mm. sort of um, phenomenon. And, and definitely it, it hit another level um, past the year 2000. But in the 90s, you know, the, the internet was a place where people mm. talked about um, countercultures and their, you know, their favourite texts and their favourite video games and movies and comics and things. And and I, I actually I didn't know that. That's fascinating that she was already starting to try to tap into yeah. what fans thought of of Tank Girl and I, I mean Tank Girl for those of you don't, who don't know was this sort of cult um, sort of underground um, zine like comic that was started in 1988 by these two British guys um, Jamie Hewlett who was the the, the main uh, illustrator of, of Tank Girl actually ended up f forming Gorillas. Um, oh, which is yeah, and if you look at that early that early art, and then you compare it to the gorillas art, it's very clear that it mm. is him. Um, so it was these two guys who started it. It was definitely a sort of response to punk rock, um, to Thatcherism in 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 Britain, and it was definitely a sort of yeah, I guess a counterculture type mm. comic. Um, and that tone is really is there in the film, mm. um, but. 
then it was uh, it was de- it was picked up by Penguin Publishing though a few years later after it was kind of underground. So it did become a lot more mainstream mm. um, in the in the early nineties. Uh, so then, yeah, obviously Hollywood bought the rights to make it in nineteen ninety five, and they hired Laurie Petty, who is probably best known for for this movie, but also for she's also in probably one of my favorite movies of all time, uh, A League of Their Own. Um, and she plays the little sister Kit in that movie, which is a pretty major role. In, she's very annoying in that movie. She's also in Point Break. She's in Point Break. She's now, you can see her, she then sort of disappeared in the mm. late 90s and early 2000s, but she's now um, in Orange is the New Black as yeah, a recurring character. Plays like that kind of conspiracy theorist kind of nutty convict yeah so she was definitely she was big in the 90s and then sort of faded away it also stars naomi watts before mulholland drive this was sort of naomi watts's quasi big break it it it, it was her first attempt at a big break Hmm. in hollywood um and really she didn't get there until a few years later when she when she was in mulholland drive but she plays jet girl uh, and uh, Malcolm McDowell is the bad guy, and uh, Ice T is in it. So it's, it's kind of it's a funny one. It's a weird mix. It's a watch weird... it. I mean, I would de- I'd say first up, like at the start, definitely watch it. Yeah, like, I, I I would recommend it. I yeah. don't know if it's good, but watch it. So, it's, it's weird because it's like all of the people that you mentioned being in it, and like the even the writers of the comic. Like, everyone kind of treats it as a bit of an embarrassment. Yeah. Like, it didn't make any money, so it was, like, financially uh, a flop. But also, like, the people in it, like, Naomi Watts is meant to be embarrassed by it. And yeah. the, the, the creators of the comic strip were like, well, this is just a disaster. It's nothing to do with the Which comic. Which made me think, oh, this is going to be a bad movie. Yeah. So, like, I had these kind of weird recollections of certain scenes that had, had stuck out to me, <laughs> but really couldn't remember much more than that. I knew there were kangaroo people in it. I knew she drove a tank. I knew it was post apocalypse Mm. that's pretty much all I could remember and but then yeah watching it I'm like you know what like I, I don't think this is actually that bad the first thing that struck me um about it which I really loved and and was quite nostalgic for me was the fact that it's so 90s mm. it really reminded me of Clueless and Empire Records and Can't Hardly Wait and The Craft and all these movies that have like that real, real sort of grungy mm. rock kind of opening credits with like cartoons and the the the, yeah the grunge rock sort of aesthetic of the 90s that that i grew up watching teen movies like that and it had that real teen movie feel which is definitely the movie you watched like maybe third in a slumber party yeah (laughs) and i think that was when i watched it like when i was a kid so it definitely had that that sort of funny, uh, yeah, weird nostalgia for me is, is for going back to sort of my early teens when I was like a, an adolescent. Um, uh, Courtney Love did the soundtrack, by the way. She apparently put that all together. Oh, because it's got like Björk in it, yeah. and it's got um, yeah, it's got some really, it's got that, re- it's really quintessentially nineties. Hmm. Um, so basically, Tank Girl is about. Uh, well, it's it's set in 2033, and I love how they set up that this is like there's no water in this in this wasteland, you know, mm. post-apocalyptic lands- landscape. And it's funny because now I'm going, oh right, global warming. This is just a sort of this is very real for us. And in the first opening monologue, Tank Girl explains that no, it's actually because a comet hit the Earth. Mm. But I was like, oh, okay. I just assumed we'd, we'd stuff the planet up to be like this. A comet hit the earth and now it doesn't rain anymore. Yeah. Which seems like a yeah, bit you know, strange. Weather. Yeah. Yeah. It actually I, seems quite 
quite mild an effect of a comic. comic. I do have a question about this. Is this set in Australia? So, yeah, I don't know either. Because the quote you read out before said something about Outback set, right? Yeah, well, the comic was set in Australia, but the movie is more ambiguous. Yeah, it's definitely ambiguous. I'm I very confused about like, whether it's meant to be There are kangaroo people, but they're also like a government experiment. Yeah, yeah so they could have just got yeah. kangaroo DNA. It, yeah. it definitely... Yeah, there was nothing especially Australian about it. Except for I, it, Naomi Watts. Except for Naomi Watts and, yeah, the and kangaroos. And one guy in the SWAT team yeah. also has a really broad Australian accent. But I mean, you know, like, Australians are so prevalent in Hollywood these days, that can be any movie. This is 1995. That's no one had true. ever heard of Hugh Jackman. <laughs> On the other hand, there had been, what, three Mad Max movies by this I time? So maybe it was an attempt been. to kind of stop... Uh, just get a little bit away from like the post-apocalyptic thing. But maybe Australian that was thing. what the original comic book creators were mm. doing a nod to when they created the character. Yeah, this also does end up having some parallels to Mad Max Fury Road, the most recent one, mm. because the villain is entirely in charge of water. Yeah. Mm. The uh, there's a whole bit where uh, uh, Tank Girl steals a truck, yep. and then like that's about all I've got. But you no, know, it's, no, more, it's not better well, than nothing. Furiosa is kind of like yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. I think I wonder if Tank Girl actually did have some influence on Fury Road. So the thing about this movie is, and, and I guess I sort of touched on it right at the beginning, is it's it's like very feminist, like mm. extremely. Um, punk and female and it's a female director hmm. and i guess like she didn't really end up doing much more rachel talalay she sort of became a tv director um but i mean really when we think about it like all of the controversy and all of the um i don't know brouhaha that goes on at the moment when we see uh both within this um comic book universes of sort of you know dc and marvel and who directs them and who's going to do them and you know is who's going to direct wonder woman and who's going to direct captain marvel and <clears throat> can a woman direct a film without a female lead mm. and you know uh, and but even just in wider hollywood like the, the state of female directors mm. generally when we look back and there was like oh in the 90s there was a p- punk female-driven, unabashedly feminist movie directed by a woman that was released. And I guess we kind of... It really does remind me that how how sterile things are now. Yeah. Because back in the 80s and 90s, they were braver and did more weird stuff that that we wouldn't... We we sort of take for granted now, I think. Absolutely. I came over the exact same conclusion because one of the things... uh, Getting back to, like, the negative quotes of the actors and sort of people involved in the production said about it, one of the big complaints was that, oh, the studio kind of produced it to death Mm. and they had to... They kept interfering. They took out a lot of, like, the raunchier and, like, sillier and more madcap elements and kind of, like, toned it all down and went through like several cuts and photos focus groups and chopped and changed it and reading that you'd think oh you know in a modern standpoint what you end up with after that is something like fantastic Four, the josh yeah. trank version where the studio came in recut everything and then just completely like kind of put the whole film on enough xanax to kind of like knock any trace of personality mm. out of it but it does not look like a film that's been focus grouped to death it's still pretty deranged and anarchic yeah. and it's still got like a i mean i know that they cut out a couple of scenes here and there and probably did like take out some of the like weirder stuff but it's still a hell of a lot weirder than anything that you'd get today especially from like i mean the reason i think i thought this was just like a quiet cult underground like low budget comedy or low budget kind of like flick 
was because, you know, all I'd seen of it was, like, a picture of the mutant kangaroo and just the idea of, like... Yeah, even, like, uh, the idea of, like, a, a woman superhero is something that you can't really get made today on a big budget. So it's like, oh, well, it must have just been some kind of, like, weird little cult movie. But it was actually, like, they put a lot of yeah. money and effort into to making this, which is, yeah, even the, the very concept of it is way too dangerous for, like, a studio to attempt today. Yeah, which is it's pretty amazing. Like, can you imagine, like, a Zack Snyder <laughs> tank girl? Like, Well, didn't he do that with that awful one what's it oh, called um, Sucker Punch Sucker Punch yeah that's what I'm <laughs> I'm so glad that's not originally a comic book because then we'd have to do an episode about it at some point and I don't want to watch it <laughs> the weird thing about Sucker Punch which might be the closest female superhero mm. In a, a movie in the past like 10 15 years, years yeah. or whatever apart from like your Catwoman and Electra kind of um, misfires yeah, yeah. Um, weirdest thing about that is like the idea of like the male gaze and feminism mm. and misogyny is like so much what that film is about so it's like really woven into it whereas Tank Girl is just like a superhero who kind of happens to be a woman and it's a really feminist kind of flick because she goes around like shooting men in the dick with tanks not because it's <laughs> like it's, it's not as like oh this is our theme it's yeah. more just like something she, she's just a superhero yeah, true, and she, she like it's takes funny. down and she yeah. thinks it's fun that's it's why like, she does it there's yeah. so much less pressure on her like she's not like with you know Captain Marvel and Wonder Woman like you can just tell like they've got the whole fate of like female superheroes on their shoulders like so yeah. they have to make it it's so self-conscious yeah whereas Tank Girl was so much so much freer like it didn't feel like they felt that they had to like make a point about feminism it just they just happen to by kind of like making a really kick-ass female superhero i mean up until this point we are talking about it like it is a good movie like right now i think it's good yeah but Um, if we talk about the movie a little more we might we might change our minds because if we get into the film there are definite problems (laughs) with it uh it's you know it's it's as a film as a piece of cinema it's you know it definitely um isn't citizen kane um so yeah like i said we you know it's post-apocalyptic it's a very mad mix mad max mad mix yeah i'm just just hungry right now Um, it's a real guzmani gomez vibe there's a guacamole shortage Yeah, so... The person uh, who controls the guac controls the world. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, so it's a Mad Max vibe. We're in the desert. And, uh, you know, Tank Girl is this chick who lives in this little community uh, with her hot boyfriend Mm. and, like, these adorable little kids that swear. And and they are, I think, mining their own water illegally, which is bad. Yeah, they've got some kind of illegal well. Because there's this big company called Power and Water who control the water. I was waiting to see like a couple of arcade machines in their little commune because it seems like this was just a thing that happened in the 90s a lot because in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles they had that going as well. There were like these weird little quasi arcade slash skateboard there are loft space yeah. there are loft space with a few kind of um, old couches with um, yeah. rugs over them yeah. and uh, basically everything was a was a sort of Los Angeles cafe yeah of some kind yeah. Yeah. and everyone wore really baggy jeans and yeah. just sort of slumped around and when you said that I had to think back because in my head there were arcade machines there and I realised <laughs> yeah. I just put them in without even thinking about yeah, it yeah 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 so they live in that sort of kind of classic 90s it's basically an early Cameron Crowe-esque mm. Kind of um, scenario, and um, yeah, there's. We also then get introduced to the villains, who is 
uh, Water and Power, uh, which is this company that, yes, obviously controls the water and power, and they basically are this fascist organisation that has everyone sort of under their thumb. Which is also the plot of Quantum of Solace. Is it? Yep. I've yeah, not seen that Stealing all the water and controlling all the water is the villain's plot in Quantum of Solace. Wow. So Tank Girl's ahead of its time. Yep. Yeah, so the, the water is a... And, and you're right, and Mad Max Fury Road and, mm-hmm. and a few other sorts of... Oh, and Waterworld, I suppose, or is that the opposite? No, that's the opposite. Too much water. Too much water. Yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the problem here is you got all your water. Yeah, you got to yeah, have less like water. An illegal trade in sand. Yeah. <laughs> People, it's harder to invest in that as an audience because you can't drink or eat sand no, there's a big also, raid on like an hourglass factory that's operating <laughs> underground there's like an underground railway for like hourglasses that they're shipping in <laughs> yeah so um gotta make a little bit of land and just like see this guy's shitty homemade little island and it's just like this pile of sand it's like if I don't get more sand my wife's pregnant we need at least another two square meters of sand otherwise we're not gonna have anywhere to live <laughs> Oh god. Okay, so we we go we we're introduced to the villains and it's Malcolm McDowell is runs this company and it's you know that kind of classic um 90s era, like kind of like demolition man or like not what what 90s sort of thinks uh, thinks the future will look like. It looks so much like demolition man. I wrote down it looks like demolition man and super mario brothers. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. it has that vibe of both of them. It definitely does. And so you know like kind of glass walls with like yeah. grids on them and things like that. Anyway, he He's, um, he's got his sort of like henchmen there. He's yelling at them because he wants to take over the world. And they let, uh, oh, the Rippers. Uh, the Rippers are these sorts of, I don't know, mutant monster things that are kind of um, pillaging the, the landscape mm. around them. And apparently the Rippers uh, got into some, got, I don't know, got into... I, this is where the film falls down. I mean, what were they doing? I don't know. Anyway, um, got the better of these henchmen. So he's, he does his whole sort of kind of super villain, like kind of, this is my plan and you're all, um, you're all under my control and you have to do what I say. And this kind of cool scene where he makes his like lackey walk over yeah. glass with, with no shoes on that kind of, that, I, that, this is where I started going. This is kind of cool. Like, I love that whole scene because yeah. it's just like an exposition dump and like a dressing down. But it's it's so like so much kind of physicality to it. And he's like, it's funny you mentioned like the big glass computers that all our future futuristic yeah. movies have because it shows the real drawback of that, which is that he goes around just like smashing them <laughs> and he like tap it and then it'll just shatter. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. That must happen all the time in these movies. But after that, he makes... After he's shattered all the glass computers with, like, the negative stats, uh, he, yeah, makes the guy walk over the, yeah. the, the, the broken glass. And then, he to punish him, uh, he... He, he gets this device and he just like it's like a big syringe cup looking thing and he slams it in the guy's back and then it starts like extracting all of his blood into it and then filtering it into like clean fresh water which he takes a drink out yeah. of would you drink body water? I would in a second <coughs> here's the thing I thought about this that water would be 37.5 degrees celsius which Whoa. is like lukewarm shower water like- water should be tepid that's what one of my old. Whoa, whoa, one of my hey, old, no, no, gonna... water should be tepid. Like all of, actually, that's that's one of my old employers said that to me because the business was like going bankrupt. They weren't paying anyone super, and they'd run out of like they they couldn't plug the water coolers in. 
So instead it was just like the water coolers like wouldn't do the ice water anymore. They'd just do this and it was summer. So they were just doing like this like really lukewarm kind of this sort of water that's like exactly body temperature yeah. so you can't even tell that you're drinking yeah. it. It's just like am I breathing in or is this the water going down? <laughs> and then just like air. everyone, water should be tepid. Uh, that's what the studies say. Cold water is actually bad I for your teeth. I have heard something yeah. like that. Yeah, so, but... Malcolm McDowell's on the right track There's a there. big difference between cold enough to hurt your teeth and exactly the same temperature, temperature as, as, as your body. Blood. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Isothermic. So, would you... Owen, would you drink body water? I mean, if, if it was in the world where the the water was a was the big commodity yeah. then yeah probably I, I actually did think that was a really cool thing I wonder if that was from the comics I can't, I've got to admit I don't know but yeah it, that's a pretty cool visual yeah like it's a cool yeah. visual and I haven't really seen something like that done before like maybe, that you can use dead you can kill people by just extracting water from them yeah maybe it's kind of like drinking your own pee like I drink my own body water that happens but, in Waterworld yeah, not joking. He has a machine on his boat that like he pees into it and then it like filters yeah, out can, into you water. Can, you can do that. There's like just, it's like, physically possible to do that. Yes. Yeah. Watch Watch Wild. There's a lot of tips in that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's like I drink my own blood water, but probably not someone else's. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. What about your enemy that you've just killed? Would you kill would, just to show him a lesson? Like, just so, well, he was, he was really like, <laughs> yeah, he's like, that would be so actually uh, terrifying. If he's like, because he was, he was sort of doing it in front of all the other goons just to kind yeah. of intimidate them. Yeah. And he's like, one more fucking slip up here. I'll drink you down. I'll drink <laughs> you down in one gulp. And then after I finish, I'll just, he just like scrunches the paper cup and just yeah. goes, ah. Totally. So, so then Tank Girl. Uh, we cut back to Tank Girl, and she's hanging out with her things. And she goes, "Is this where?" Um, so, I guess he he basically tells his goons to crack down on the naughty community. Yeah. Well, they're, they're, they're like we've controlled ninety five percent of this entire landscape. Yeah. All that remains is like the rippers and like these little kind Outposts, of weird yeah. arcade hippie communes yeah. that are like cropping up everywhere and uh, he's like okay well I want everything so yeah. they, they go to like crack down on all There's of this that. place that has all these bean bags we yeah. gotta go check it out yeah 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 <laughs> so they do they go they go and check out um, uh, Tank Girl's home place but basically so this is where she's on she's the one who's supposed to be guarding them she's mm. on guard duty and they get got bad they get masked so, so she does not give a single shit it's great that's the thing. This is something that I noticed through this that I actually really appreciated. There are moments where, like, she doesn't give a shit most of the time, and she's always like pulling her like wacky one-liners yeah. and like you know uh, cool little things. Then there are moments where, like, and this is entirely credited to Laurie Petty, I think that she'll drop the facade and mm. sh- and she'll be actually dealing with the emotional weight of like mm. the death of all these people that mean yeah. things to her, and she sells it hard. Yeah, like, yeah, it actually yeah. seems really believable that she's like. I was gonna say like that's. This is one. This is one in the good column. She's but. a really. She's a pretty good actress. Oh, yeah. Like she. Um. I, I. I read a quote that when she read Tank Girl, the, the she when she read the the spec for the script, she went, "Oh, it's me." Like <laughs> she. She's very well cast as this, and even when you watch her in A League of Their Own, where she's plucky and, you know, like she's very annoying in that movie, but she's sort of supposed to be annoying in that movie, mm. and and so even even though she the character is grating, it's mm. kind of her thing is to be this sort of kind of rough and ready grating thing yeah no she's fantastic uh and it's funny because yeah she is playing a character who's kind of meant to be 
annoying in that kind of mile a minute motor mouth kind of way yeah. and it, it's really just like it's not annoying like it, it's it's really genuinely funny and it's it's kind of a similar to style a similar style to like i don't know like a 90s jim carrey or robin williams yeah. movie but i find like if i tried to rewatch the mask i don't think i could do it or like Robin Williams in uh, as the genie in Aladdin or something where it's just it's a bit too much for me like I know some people love it but it, it's that kind of style but it's just like it works really well mm. in the movie isn't the mask based on a comic book uh, <laughs> <laughs> alright stay tuned for that okay now I'm gonna get some revenge I actually loved on that movie when I was a kid talking about <laughs> 90s childhood favourites anyway so uh, Tank Girl unfortunately has to watch her hippie commune get massacred her mm. boyfriend dies they steal the little girl who's a little kind of her little protege kind mm. of little buddy um <clears throat> so they steal her another sort of um rung in the um films where a, a woman protects a young girl and they, mm. they have like it's very aliens you know like she's got her little kind of her little quasi daughter who's not really her daughter sort of um dynamic so she sees her get she sees her get um, get kidnapped and, and taken by the the uh, power and water people, and I guess she goes to uh, save them, right? She she follows. She gets oh, no, taken she gets to a taken. prison no, camp. That's right. Yeah. They get her, and they they that's right. They they get her. So she gets taken into the water and power prison camp, and that's where um, she starts to be just a bit tortured, mm. but also just sort of living in the prison world. I, I guess a precursor to oranges <laughs> is the new black. Well, but before we get to her in prison, uh, there's a couple of quick kills that she, uh, sort of notches on her belt yep. before she gets to prison, which I really liked. Uh, so she takes down one guy, uh, who's a guard that sneaks up in her when she's like, she's meant to be on guard duty. Instead, she's like involved in a montage where she's cutting holes into her leggings or stockings or whatever to make them look punky oh yeah and, and it's then, kind uh, of sexy yeah yeah and then she she kills him in a really cool way uh she kind of like i think taunts him a bit and hints about like uh taking her clothes off further or something because he sees her like mm. uh, uh screwing around with her pants and then it turns out she's like pulled the pin out of his grenade and then it just explodes yeah. uh, and then on the uh helicopter uh when they're going back to base uh she's like teasing the soldiers uh, she tells one of the soldiers kind of goes up to like uh, sort of like assault her and rape her or whatever and she just like snaps his neck with her legs like yeah. really quickly and then just starts laughing about it like uh, she really she is so, a much much better Harley Quinn than Harley we oh, got in Suicide Squad yeah. I hadn't even yeah. thought about that that's a great point yeah yeah she basically is what Harley Quinn in Suicide Squad should have been yeah. even even almost even the way she looks like and yeah. this is around the time Harley Quinn would have debuted on the because Harley yeah. Quinn started in the animated series yeah. which was around this time right well, probably a bit before but yeah yeah yeah. I, I mean I it's um it, it, it is a great point she basically is Harley Quinn so she gets taken it's to the like a Harley Quinn slash like a female Deadpool sort of thing I got a lot of Deadpool vibes there's from a this. bit of that there yeah it's, it's really um, it foreshadows a lot of stuff this yeah, movie it's especially in the way like we're gonna get to it now but in the way that they try and break her in the prison and Malcolm McDowell's trying to like completely break her down so that he can like brainwash her into being a goon and she's just like every time he thinks he's like tortured her to the point where she's gonna work for him she'll just come out with some kind of one-liner and yeah. make fun of him which is exactly what like Deadpool and Francis's dynamic was in mm. um, Deadpool um and the other thing that 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 she does that I, I guess we 
is very Deadpool-like, is that this film breaks the fourth wall, like, regularly. Yeah. So she talks to the audience, she narrates it, she's kind of... I don't think she looks into the camera at any point, no. but it, it's probably... She could, you know, yeah. like, there could be a scene where she does that. She certainly does that in the um, the animated sequences, which we can talk mm. about a little later, because I have mixed feelings about them. Well, they've already done it a few times at this point, but, like, they keep cutting to panels from the mm. comic and they do it so excessively, it really bugged me. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I felt like it's it started to feel like they didn't have enough confidence in their own like film to to that they had to keep well, going. Well, it's back funny to it. you say that because apparently that's true. Oh right. So they actually didn't the 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 uh, creators of um, of Tank Girl. One of the reasons why they weren't happy with this film was that they basically didn't film a bunch of stuff mm. and ended up having to go back to them to animate it. So they animated scenes that um, had originally been p- pitched to be filmed. See, I like the actual animated bits. The okay. ones that are still frames that they just pan around yeah, on. That's what's really bugging me. Because uh, there's only like one animated sequence in the uh, middle. There's, there's, I think there's, there's, there's the, two, two like three. the properly animated action. Uh, where they just do like completely ridiculous over the top action scenes, which you can never film. Uh, those look great, but yeah. it's yeah, it's as Owen said, it'll kind of do that thing that you saw on like Pokemon or whatever, where it'll just be a still frame of a comic, and then it'll just like rotate around really and like vibrate really fast, <laughs> and then like it'll swoop around the stationary yeah. panel to imply motion. Yeah, so I feel like it doesn't work because every time it cuts back to live action, it's really jarring, mm-hmm. and it just reminds you, oh yeah, we're not watching a comic yeah it 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 doesn't quite work it 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 also again reminds i think kind of reminds me that the film was set in the 90s where comic book genres were still being worked out i mean you can even compare it to something like hulk where ang lee Mm. was trying to to do the comic book thing and refer to comics as a genre of themselves and 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 link the film to that Mm. to that way of storytelling um and it it, it's like that but i guess in a more cheap way or in Mm. a less i guess a less uh considered way Mm. potentially and i guess yeah it doesn't really work it is done done too much and to the point where it it becomes distracting um from the story so she's in prison she's in prison she meets jet girl yes uh, who becomes her like little sidekick? And Jet Girl is played by Naomi Watts as a brunette. She's this sort of mousy, like kind of bookish, um, tech techy girl mm. who can who's a mechanic who likes to work on her jets. And she's seemingly one of those kind of people in prison who has sort of been on such good behaviour and mm. flown under the radar that she's kind of got the privileges uh, enough that she can go and work in the in the um, mechanic studio with the jets. Mechanic but, studio. Oh, well, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, blue collars started to show their bits stuff. It's the loft where engineers take their cars to kind of work on them. I don't know. They get they take them in there and they come back and they're yeah. clean for me. I wouldn't want to say. You know, they'll probably have little hamsters running the machines yeah. in there, I'm, I'm assuming. But anyway, she, she works there, but she's also got this sort of gross kind of quasi-rapist guy who um, comes and annoys her all the time and, and, and sort of threatens her um, with uh, basically rape and but also just, you know, being a creep all the time. And uh, she's attacked by him in, the, in like, the showers or something and um, Tank Girl saves her by saying, hey, get your hands off my girlfriend and then gives her a smooch. Mm. But it's, again, like, not... 
uh, other kinds of films would have sexualized that lesbianism <laughs> Zack stuff. Zack Snyder doing yeah, it. Yeah, could you imagine Whoa. if Zack Snyder did that? Exactly. Everything in slow motion. A lot yeah. of very close-up pans of things. Of, yeah, yeah, of bodies and things. Uh, yeah, it doesn't feel... It doesn't there'd feel be like a song. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't feel exploitative. No. The way they do it. it it's, feels, yeah. it's pretty much she just does it because she's saving her and, mm. and, you know, like she's doing her a favour, but it's certainly not... You know, yeah, it's not titillating in any way. She just sort of does it to get out of it. And it's a real works. kind of Bugs Bunny big old smack on yeah. the like, mm-hmm. It really Fuck. is, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Uh, oh, just just on the showers, um, I, there's so many little touches in the movie that I really like with... I guess you could call it world building if you wanted, but things like how the shower and the mine... I think they're digging for, like, water or something. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, like, the shower and the mine, it's just like this... You just use powdered soap, and then the, the, instead of water, there's just like this like Steam? pressure hose. It's like you kind of like air yourself off, and it's like water is so rationed. And then um, in Malcolm McDowell's office, he's got like a door made out of water, <laughs> and it's just like <laughs> it's really it looks good, and it's just like I just loved all those little details. That was good, although I didn't love the shower scene with like that that sort of montage of Tank Girl in the in the sort of dry shower because it was it that's where it had that sort of nine. It wasn't it was that like, it was gratuitous. It just wasn't. Well, because she it was fully clothed. It was like the opposite of every other prison shower scene with women in it in any movie ever. I, like, I would agree with that. Yeah. I just didn't think it was interesting and well done. Like it just felt really stupid and like a oh, boring move on, you know. And, and that was where the film, the film's lack of sort of polish and um, self-assuredness and, and and just I guess maybe. Uh, shittiness generally kind of came through and it did have a few of those moments and that's probably one of them anyway they 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 they, she makes friends with jet girl they have an attempt to escape but don't quite make it and Mm. because it's it's interrupted by the rippers um which does kill the rippers who you don't really get to see uh you just see them in sort of shadows Mm. um uh, attack and kill all of the um, all of the guards and things like that. But to that point, they sort of then give Jet Girl and Tank Girl the the chance to get away. So they steal the tank. Um, this is where finally we get to see the tank and Tank yeah. Girl actually get to be in a tank, which is kind of fun. Tank Girl's love for the tank is really endearing as well. She's just so goddamn excited to have a tank. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, before that though, is where we get like all of the attempts by Malcolm McDowell to torture Tank Girl. Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah. So he's pl- he's trying to play this like mind game with her, where he sees her as this as this challenge to be like broken down so she can work for him, and she's just like. No. screwing around with him yeah. and she has a couple of good lines there and yeah she's just like not having any of it that's the bit where one of the ways that he he um tortures her which i found kind of odd i mean it does seem like it would be torture but a sort of very kind of i don't know unusual kind of torture is he's got this like it, this this kind of glass tube that he puts her on a uh, like a sled backwards mm. on her back down he's like oh and it gets it gets narrower the further you go down Mm. and it's only it's 40 meters or something and so he just sends her down there and she and we're with her and and she does find it torturous like she does have flashbacks Mm. to you know her family being killed and everything like that but i did kind of not quite I just thought, what a weird torture device. Like, I just didn't... It, it, would it be torturous? I don't know. Like, I suppose, but yeah, it's just so like, weird. Here's this weird tube I'm going to put you in. I farted in it. <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> 
anyway, so and they also they also put her in the the freeze room and oh yeah, in a straitjacket, and that's when she says like, oh, this straitjacket makes it really hard for me to play with myself or something when he goes to bust her out. Wow. Yeah, it's. She gets some good lines in this, I have to say. But that was a very Deadpool thing to say. Yeah. So then they, they escape and they go somewhere and they have this weird scene with this lady who gives them a gives them a um, a lead on where the little girl has gone because mm. she, she sees something that reminds her of the little girl and turns out that she'd been there. And I think, was that supposed to be Subgirl? So there's another character in the comics mm. called Subgirl and apparently she was cut heavily from the mm. film and that and it does sort of seem like that scene was this character that sort of is just in one scene and is never seen again. Someone is credited as Subgirl. Yeah, so I don't know if that was her. I think yeah. that was her. Mm. Um, if so, I'm kind of glad she was cut because she was really annoying. It was this weird kind of art teacher vibe. Yeah. yeah. I don't get what they were going for. And if that was Subgirl, it was a pretty lame Subgirl. I don't know. If I can't think of who else would have been Subgirl. Anyway, um, they they get the lead on where the little girl is and um, and they go find her. Oh, it's, it's in like this brothel. Yeah. This like sort of gross, um, yeah, it's futuristic. This big bordello kind of yeah. thing where everyone's kind of like in a big jacuzzi and there's like a piano player and all mm. that sort of stuff. And I know what you're thinking. Is Iggy Pop a pedophile? In this movie, he is. <laughs> that, was, that was Iggy Pop? Yeah. How weird. <laughs> He's in it for two seconds. Yeah, that's right. He, he wants to buy the little girl. Um, and she, cause she wasn't working as a prostitute. She was working like behind the scenes mm. as like a cleaner or something, yeah. but, um, he had specific tastes. So they get her out, but she, she escapes pretty quickly. And you know, yeah, that the threat of, of child rape is sort of quickly averted from, mm. um, but, uh, so, so, so then tank girl and, and jet girl, break in and get their way and find her and then try to break out and then there's this weird uh musical number mm. uh yeah. Cole Porter yeah <laughs> really really long musical it goes a long apparently time. one of one of many that was originally in the movie oh really cut. Yeah. that actually makes more sense yeah. knowing that was, there were multiple I, that actually I think, kind of I think so but I think they definitely wanted it to be in that tone where you know it could break into song and dance this, See, I, this yeah. was something that I had remembered from the thing mm. but, and yeah, I feel like they should have... If they're going to have one in there, you kind of need to have three. Yeah. Because just having the one makes it stand out so much that they just suddenly break into song and dance and choreograph dance mm. when they're trying to escape from somewhere. Mm. It doesn't sit unless you've established that this is part of the language of the film. Yeah, it is. and it's. But it also doesn't really fit with her character. Like, no. she's the last character I would ex- expect. I mean, yes, she's fun and yes, she's like light and, and irreverent but that doesn't she's not musical like, I think, I don't I think it works for a character I just don't think it really works in the middle of a movie after like a, a in a scene where so, you're, you're escaping from like a but even then like okay make her sing a punk rock song don't make her sing birds do it bees do it let's yeah. fall in love like like an old style kind of well, um, Cole it, Porter song the, like, the premise kind of worked because she's like the idea is that as punishment uh, she's forcing the madame at gunpoint to like sing this song. Yeah. Uh, but then everyone just starts joining in. Ah, uh, no, I, I think. No, I'm sorry, that doesn't make any sense, Kyle. Well, <laughs> there's mutant kangaroos in this yeah, movie. Yeah, I know, but you know, you're like, well, you know, the logic of it is that she's made this person sing. I think that, that does, I think that's it's, not it's, logical. It's jarring in terms of like how long it is, but I think it fits with the tone. Hmm. I don't know. I think. I think. 
if the, you, I agree with Owen, if you're going to do it, do yeah. more of it because otherwise it doesn't fit with the tone. But if they'd made it more of a musical mm. um, and made the music more prominent and within the scenes, I I would have been on more on board with it. I agree. Mm. Yeah, it is. It is a uh, pretty. It's it's a pretty noticeable uh, separate bit of the movie. I'll say that. Is is this when they then have their kind of um, pimp pimp my tank montage. No, I think that's before. That was, that when, before? They that was yeah. when they meet uh, probably Subka. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, so then they end up with the kangaroos. Yes. So then what... Yeah. How did they get... Oh, that's right. They then just look around for them and find them. Yeah. Is that it? Like yeah. that's, that's it. She's like, we've got to go find the Rippers. And, and Jet Girl's like, why? They're scary. I don't want to find them. And she's like, no, nah, no, nah, let's just find them. And then they find them. Like, it's not really... There's no lead. So the reason they were, why they have to find them is because after this musical number... Malcolm McDowell and his thugs kidnap the girl again. Right. So now she has to go rescue her again. Right. Uh, and she's like, well, they've got an army. We need an army. Right. So they go to hunt down the kangaroo people. Right. And so it turns out that these rippers are... So Stan Winston did the design of these. What did you think that they... How do you think? reckon they looked? Fine. I kind of think they were fine as yeah. well. Yeah. Decent prosthetics. It, it actually... I mean, they're ugly and they're not... Their faces are pretty expressive, though. Their faces are expressive. They look alarmingly like the actors who are portraying them. Yeah. Like, you can tell that the Ice-T one is Ice-T, and the Reggie Cathy one is Reggie Cathy. Speaking of, Reggie Cathy. Yeah, so Reggie Cathy, who we've already featured on the podcast in the Fantastic Four episode, but he's... Better make room in the TCA two-timers club, (laughs) which I'm keeping track of now. (laughs) So he turns out he's in this movie uh, as one of, yeah, one of the kangaroo guys. Um, Saxophone beat... Beat, Nick, Speak poetry. Jack Kerouac incarnate. Yeah. <laughs> he wears like an it's earring. It's <laughs> So these, these guys, they're all, I think they're not all black, but there's certainly an, a, 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 you know what I mean? Like a, an urban culture to these <gasps> kangaroos. But I, I don't think they're all black guys. Some of them seem white. Some of them are white. I, yeah. I looked at the actors. Are we talking about the actors portraying Yeah, but them? even just the, but even just the, have I said something I shouldn't have I'm said? I'm not sure. I don't know how I, to judge. Like you're the, saying that the, the kangaroo I, mutants are coded black. I think is the <laughs> yeah. Is the that's way exactly to say what it, yeah. I mean. Yeah, like some of them. Well, obviously the ICD well, one and the Reggie Cathy one. I think because those are two are prominent. black, right? Well, they, well. Yeah, I mean, Ice T is basically playing like yeah, the same grumpy guy like that he plays in everything. Gangstery yeah. type dude. Well, can we can we talk about the reincarnation thing? So this is... okay, I don't actually even get what these guys. So because there's a bit of expo- exposition at the beginning that they were these mutants created by this scientist, but we never actually meet the scientist. He's like this off-screen character. He was trying to create the perfect soldier, right? Mm. By combining a human and a kangaroo. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Johnny Prophet they, is that his name? Yeah. 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 They are very, very good soldiers. So I guess. He, he, it's, it's how silly is it? But they, at some point, they just casually throw in that they're all reincarnations of, of someone else. And I don't know how they know this, but they speak about it with this very... It seems to be like part of their faith, but they're very matter-of-fact about that they are reincarnated people. people. Uh, one of them is a reincarnated dog, and he's like the but dumb is, one. So is this... The, well, he's the one that... Her boyfriend. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But... So, but is this, um, hang on a minute, is, are, are the reincarnated people that they are, is this the person that they were, like, was it an actual person's DNA spliced with a kangaroo DNA, and is this the I, person? Well, I, I want to know why they thought Jack yeah. Kerouac would be the perfect soldier in that case. <laughs> I don't know. Like, it but is yeah, they just kept, but this is the thing that, this is like the one thing I remember from watching it in the 90s yeah. on VHS was... 
wait, what? They're like, he's a, he's the reincarnation of Jack Kerouac, and like, I assume I this was mentioned earlier, and I didn't know about it or something, and then it's not. It's just thrown in. Be there. honest with you, I, I missed that completely. It's very <laughs> confusing. But the thing about it is. They ask Ice T's character who he was reincarnated from, and he says very angrily, "A cop." Oh, that's right. Yeah, this is in the Law and Order universe. <laughs> Canon. <laughs> this is a continuation of Special Victims Unit before it even existed. Oh my god! Uh, you're right. Yes. That's why he's angry at. Well, it's also is he angry at it because he was also before he was in SVU, which means like. Yeah. The guy who rapped Cop Killer? Yeah, I think that's why they had it in there. Sure, but that could all be one continuum, Mm -hmm. right? Exactly. And that means somewhere out there, Richard Belzer, Detective Munch, is wandering the wasteland, (laughs) solving murders. And that makes me so happy. Which is also because he's also in the X-Files canon, right? Of course, yeah. yeah. Oh, Um, yeah, this is now part of the Tommy Westfall universe of the the entire... um, the name <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I can't I don't know what it is but I know what you're talking about like yeah, where yeah, there's yeah. different shows and everything it's, it's all connected by Belzer right the Bells he's one of the connections oh, okay. that, that goes through it all comes through from Tommy Westfall who is a character in St. Elsewhere oh, <laughs> that just right. came back to me um, yes and it, yeah, Google yeah. Tommy Westfall universe so, so, so Tank Girl is part of it yeah. Pa- in in my in head your canon, head. Yeah. my right. head canon, yes that's the expanded universe yeah. that they were yeah. trying to lay the ground <laughs> basically for. yeah uh where do the kangaroos get their water from? Where? Uh, I assume they're stealing it from Water and yeah, Power on all their raids. I mean, they are. Yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah. They're, they're kind of yeah. They're, they're they're going around pillaging and raiding things, so I would assume that. Mm. Anyway, it turns out that they're quite nice. Like they they get along with. Um, they all. I mean, a couple of them really want to bang the girls mm. like that, and they make that very sort of prominent. One of them is really not like really not okay in terms of boundaries. Like he's yeah, yeah, really yeah. Being with Jet, quite... the one with his yeah, with Jet like put, uh... like he's sort of cute and she sort of likes it, but also he does definitely mm. cross lines. Whereas Booga, the one that um, is the dumb one, yeah, um, he has a legitimate romance with Tank Girl. Like mm. she likes him back, and they sort of fall in love basically. And this is one of the scenes that was cut from the film. So one of the things that the studio decided that they were not cool with was a scene of Booga and Tank Girl in post-coital embrace uh, that happens at some point in that in that sequence of the film where the Ice-T character comes and sort of walks in on them in, in, in bed. So that was cut um, because it was seen as being too bestial. She does kiss him at the, at the end of the movie because up until this point they're very, they're sort of, it's, it's, it's implied that they're falling in love, but you don't. Mm. They don't kiss or anything. They just sort of seem to have a bit of a crush on each other, which is kind of cute. But and, and not until the end do they sort of kiss and it becomes a thing. But yeah, apparently. So um, with the, with that postcoital scene, uh, did you mention that Stan Winston created uh, what is it, like a three thousand dollar or five thousand dollar prosthetic kangaroo mutant penis? No, I didn't mention that. That is apparently. Wait, is that real? Yeah, that's apparently why they cut it because they they do have a scene in there. Of her and him lying on bed, but no, no, no. That scene one... in the movie is they're lying on the ground. It, mm. it was like a stoner scene. It was mm. like they were getting high on mm. the floor and looking but at the this, ceiling. But this one that was cut was kind of similar, and that they were just lying there. But he, no, but they were he in had bed. A, yeah, but he had a prosthetic kangaroo penis that was visible. <laughs> That's what it says on um, IMDb wow. in the trivia. 
Stan Winston was involved in this, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. The great Stan Winston creature creature feature guy. Um, he created them. So yeah, there's a sequence of stuff with these guys, and they find out that they're what was it, Johnny. Um, Prophet. Johnny Prophet, their their creator and kind of their god or their dad, mm. kind of they find out he's died um, at the hands of yeah they send him they, they send him his corpse they send them his corpse yeah that's right and they find him and then they're really they're all really sad and that's when they decide to help the girls go and and, and mm. get it get yeah. it water and power and and um, save the little girl I will say as an action sequence I really enjoyed the whole truck hijacking oh thing, that was so good where oh, like yeah. tank girls like surfing on the on the cannon of the tank and yeah. then and like that whole bit was really solid. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that's that whole scene where they have to prove themselves to the camp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a whole thing where they have to infiltrate yeah. the camp and steal the weapons. And yeah. And, and yeah, she hijacks the truck, and that's the bit that the other bit that really reminded me of Fury Road. And I that was really solid. Like yeah. I think that's that a awesome. really good action sequence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was, was a moment where um she's getting rid of the guys who are driving the truck uh, from her tank, and then she kind of. Uh, pulls up to the to the front window and then rotates her turret so that it's pointing right in his face and she says something like uh, what was it like yeah. feel a bit feel a bit inadequate yeah yeah, yeah that was it yeah. yeah 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 she's great apparently they she really did some of those stunts and, and was quite frightened by it um, but yeah that they um, that they get that they get the truck and, and all that sort of stuff so, so that then they decide to infiltrate water and power oh and so sorry at this point earlier in the film, um, when they were escaping the first time, Malcolm McDowell was badly injured. I think his hand was cut off or something like that. And so throughout this, the other plot line was that he was getting, like, these surgeons to come and look at him and mm, yeah. put his body back together or something, and then he decides to go for the more radical... I mean, he just loses an arm, right? And well, he gets his face ripped up. He's got, oh. Yeah, he's got a heavily... Oh, sorry. They, they, you never see it. He's just got, like, a, a, a sort of all-over yeah. mask on, but you, it's pretty... It's implied that his whole face is... He's messed up. <laughs> yeah, messed up. Okay, so then, yeah, so throughout this something's been happening to him he's becoming this sort of cyborg sort of thing mm-hmm. and James Hong's in it briefly who? the, the he's, surgeon yeah he's the surgeon I, I like that because he's is. like the surgery will cost you 100,000 litres of water yeah and it's like yeah it's yeah. just cool he's the he is Lopan in Big Trouble in Little China he's oh. never shy of uh, leading into some stereotypes right <laughs> for right, a role right, right. yep yep well yes that was that was clear so they infiltrate water and power, um, and basically there's like yeah the, the, the climactic fight scene basically with uh, tank girl, jet girl, and the kangaroos sort of coming in and taking on all of the cronies and finding the girl. The girl happened to be put in the torture chamber again, the one mm. I mentioned before. So it's like a race against time because they're gonna they're gonna drown her. Yeah, uh, it actually makes more sense when they're filling it up with, with water, water that's rather true. than just we're just gonna put you in a pipe for a while. Yeah, the pipe like, in the while for yeah, a while. We're I slowly really filling get. it with water. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, sure. And uh, anyway, so they they have a big fight scene. The uh, Jack Kerouac dies. Uh, sadly, mm. um, he sacrifices himself because the the, the rippers can only go, can only work best in darkness. So he he turns off the lights in the weird and they don't like guns. <gasps> That's they don't right. use guns. That's yeah, right. they're basically Batman. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean. <laughs> Uh, that's a bit much but yeah they they, uh, they have dad issues they, they lost their parents you're right the the mutant kangaroos in tank girl are batman thank you i'm sorry that's all i needed okay <laughs> and uh so yeah they that i don't know it's just a big fight scene right and mm. you know everyone gets their moment and they all fight and 
And then, it, and they, 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 they save the girl. She then has her one-on-one with, uh, with, with Malcolm McDowell and, and it's revealed, I mean, he looks normal when he comes out and it's revealed though that his head is a hologram, which is actually kind of cool. Yeah. And so, uh, she, she, <laughs> she, she gets, she, she gets her tank to shoot at him, but then she finds she's run out of, um, ammo and he's good at deflecting it. So then she finally gets him just by hitting this convenient, um, pail of water that ha- happens to be above his head. Just one mm. little pail of water that he's standing under. She gets, um, it tips over on, on him and that kills him because he got all his surgery. Oh, and then she, she gets that blood drainer. Oh, that's and right. Sticks it in him and it drains his body of uh, blood. That's right. Yeah. She gets him with the, with the blood. It was suitably slapstick ending, but yeah. I thought that whole fight was pretty badass as well. Yeah. She gets in a tank. She's just like, I think it's cans of drink. She's like blasting cans of beer, at him. Yeah. yeah. Or something like that at him. Oh, that's yeah. Cause she goes, what a waste of good beer. Yeah. She's like, Ugh. and then, um, that's it. And then they kind of have this very abrupt ending. She kisses Booger and, and then it, it cuts to an animated sequence when mm. they're all just um, sort of jet skiing around in water that mm. apparently they get. And that's the end. Yep. That's it. <sighs> so Is this movie good? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Good question. I'm, the no, more I talk about it. it, the more I liked it. Mm. See, I don't know, like, because I liked it at the beginning when I was talking about it politically and where it was in the sense of cinema, but then when you go through the movie and you look at the scenes one by one, you're like, mm, is this good? I don't know. Mm. There's some weird stuff going on, guys. There's some weird stuff going on. And I didn't like the animated stuff, and I didn't like the the comic strip stuff. I movie. hate the still panels. I like the actual animated Yes. Yeah. To me, it was all just filler. Like, I agree with you. It, it, it felt like they didn't have enough footage. The and animated so that's why ones in... actually made me wish they'd done the entire thing as a 2D animated movie. Yeah. Like, I, it would I have been weird, that... like really expensive, but I, I kind of feel like that could have served it well. I agree that it's well done. I just don't... Uh, like, the animation is good, but it's just that... It just... Yeah, it felt like it was cheap. It was, it was like, we ran out of film, or we forgot to film this, so we're doing mm. it. Like, it really didn't serve a purpose except... To filler stuff, which I didn't enjoy and felt it t- took it out for me, both the animation and the stills. So I've got a new a new segment. Oh, because I didn't do the keywords. This is called. I'm not sure what it's called yet. Maybe running the numbers. It's where I just talk about numbers and, and dates, and we just talk about numbers together. But the numbers for like this a episode. Conspiracy theory style numbers. No, or? just just numbers. Oh 30, my god. 30, 20, 20, 33. What is that? No, but um, the dates I wanted to bring up. Uh, uh, so this was made in 95 Batman Begins was 2005 so that they are closer together in time than Batman Begins and us today some numbers those are are some numbers but what I was going to say is like it's closer to like the start of the superhero movies than we are to like the start of the superhero movies especially if you start it from like Ang Lee's Hulk or whatever and I think it's so shocking that Tank Girl is what a movie ruined by the studios looks like then compared to now. Like, it still had, like, so much shit you would never get away with. No. It would never even get close to being made now. Yet no. every, every, all of the interviews you read about the making of, it's all like, oh, yeah, it was focus group to death. And it was like, the <laughs> it's studio like, interference. You've got talking kangaroos in Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's you've... only so much a focus group can do at that point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I wonder it's, like, it's so... 
it's so weird and it's so like lovingly bizarre yeah. that yeah. it's like I can't believe that that was the movie where they go well oh yeah the studio suits completely like drained the joy out of that one I wonder if the difference is that studio suits get in, get involved earlier in the process now yeah. whereas it, it feels like that that's something that happened after like they just kind of went here's some money and they, and they all went off to the desert and made a prosthetic kangaroo dick and various and then, other kind and, of yeah, and then you, you then, then we delivered it to the studio yeah, and they freaked like, out what have you done yeah, whereas yeah, something yeah. like Fantastic yeah. Four they're constantly like over the shoulder and meddling well, that well, is how big that's how they made, they made they made the Tank Girl comics that way like because yeah. it was published in this like kind of underground magazine yeah. or something and they just deliver the finished product like the day of printing or something yeah. so that no one had a chance to like read it and st- <laughs> sort of water it down and then it just like take the finished comic, stick it in the magazine, and then print it. Yeah. And, and they I mean, were like, we, we just started, we used that to just see how far we could go yeah. before they said we're not publishing this. But that was the model of cinema throughout most of the, tw- you know, post post the um, sort of uh, early cinema sort of um, studio model, it, it was like early cinema, from the 70s to, yeah, probably about 15 years ago or so, that was, you know, yeah, filmmakers got, got, Pitched, got got the money, went off and made it, sent it back to the studios. The studios either loved it or, yeah, fixed it or did something to it or whatever it was. And that kind of... And unless... Yeah, and that kind of was the model, right? Now... We look at we look at the studios themselves, yeah, being almost the filmmakers and hire the directors are the directors for hire and just another talent that they bring in to deliver something. And we certainly we don't just see that with with superhero movies either. We we see it with mainly just all big franchises yeah. or all big pictures. Extended in general. universes. It, well, extended universes. Tank, Tank Girl two thousand and seventeen, which was coming out this year. Uh, it would end, or the post credit scene, sorry, would be Jet Girl looking at her jet and saying, like, next time. Just like War Machine and the first Iron Man thing. Yeah. There's no way she'd be in a jet in movie number one. Yeah, they got yeah, yeah. to gotta have their trilogy plan and their extended universe with the, a prequel movie with Johnny Prophet making the kangaroos. And, yeah, it's, you, it's, it's a one-and-done movie. Yeah, and yeah. It, it also doesn't have the thing like, yeah, she kind of, she really wants to save the girl, but it's not like she hits this really low point two thirds in where she loses her tank and she's like completely destroyed emotionally. And then she has to like build another tank, but like regains her confidence at the same time. It's mm. like, she gets a tank like 40 minutes in and yeah. then she just really enjoys it. Oh, it certainly doesn't. the shit out of people. It certainly doesn't follow the you know any of what we would normally mm. now modern call modern superhero tropes yeah. both from a character angle or from a, a structural angle or for even i guess from a production design angle like it's 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 a very much a prototype an early prototype mm. i would call it and and an, and a particularly kind of left beat you know offbeat one that that never really kind of took off but but it's a it's an interesting one i you know i still can't decide whether it's good I reckon it's good. It's, I'm it's, coming down just on the side of yeah, good right now. It's like a delicious it. glass of blood water. It is refreshing. <laughs> but it's a little tepid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Can I also just give a, give, give a sort of acknowledgement to Ice-T in the sense that that man is in full prosthetic makeup as a kangaroo-human hybrid and is just has so much screen charisma. Yeah. yeah, even in that role. Yeah, he's no wonder he's like a successful actor. 
it was that thing where I look at it and go, yeah, okay, I really get how like he made a go of this. Cause I, would argue, you were... I would have argued that he learned it all from the Bells, but yeah, this was before he joined forces yeah, with the Bells. Whatever it is, he's got it. He's got yeah. that thing. Yeah, a lot of people do. Like, you know, Lady Gaga apparently is going to be in like the new um, A Star Is Born, and apparently she's just like killing it because she's just got natural charisma. A lot of performers just have natural charisma. Mm. They just they got to be in front of the camera. It's great yeah. for our entertainment. Uh, yeah, um, Laurie, um, what's her name? Laurie, Laurie Petty. Petty? Mm. Yeah, uh, she's definitely so fantastic in this movie. Mm. Uh, I have to say, if I was in this world, I'd be in Water and Power. I'd just join up. I'd sign up with Water and Power. I got, I got two fish tanks, Steph. I, I, need, <laughs> I, can't, I can't afford to you, live in some hippie-dippie commune. I, I need that water coming in. So, we haven't really talked about it. You know, Malcolm McDowell's plan... Was it a good way? He wanted to control all the water. And he was, for the most part. Yeah. I mean, if it wasn't for those pesky uh, rippers and pesky tank girl, he would have had it too, wouldn't he? Yeah. I mean, I can't really... He was... I think his downfall was that he was obsessed with one-upping her and, you know, and and breaking her, as you said. And if he just kept on target and, and, you know... If he just let the girl go, like, she's... She didn't really have, even though Water and Power like killed her, all of her friends. She didn't really have like this burning vendetta. Yeah, she just wanted them. the girl back. Yeah. If he'd given her the girl, she probably would have just gone off. Yeah, she would have gone off and gone into adventures. He would have, and then he would have probably easily killed, easily killed off the Rippers if he yeah. figured out what they what they did. I mean, they was. don't use guns. No, so. exactly. Like he he could have probably like figured it out how to beat them eventually. Yeah, I yeah he his plan was it was fine, but but he just sort of he he didn't stick the landing as so many of our villains don't don't you mm. know most of their plans are good except for our heroes coming in at the end and thwarting them. Mm. Stupid heroes. <sighs> Is that it? I think I think that's it. I mean, <laughs> I, I, where are we gonna? Yeah, this movie's good. See it. Mm. I, it, yeah. it. I can see why it would be a cult classic now. Yeah. Um. It's fun, yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, we'll be back. Uh, we'll be back with another movie in which a, a hero does hit a low point and need to come back, mm. and we'll let you guess what that is. Um, in yeah, the mean- see if you can narrow it down. From <laughs> <laughs> in the meantime, uh, we'll do some plugs. Uh, you can hear me on Three um, MBS Radio. It's a classically uh, fine music. Melman, actually, sorry, is our tagline, and uh, you can hear us on one hundred three point five. FM in Melbourne or online and you can see me in some upcoming improv shows uh, I'm an improviser and I do I'm going to be in two different shows at the Melbourne Comedy Festival 2017 uh, one is Soup Plays which is completely improvised Shakespeare and the other one is completely improvised Potter so which po- Joey Potter from Dawson's Creek uh, it's I'm I'm only allowed to call it completely improvised Potter <laughs> <laughs> take so. that as completely improvised Joey Potter from Dawson's Creek. So if you want to see if you want to see amazing amazing like improv around whether or not um, Joey picks Pacey or Dawson and what that bitch Jen is up to, again stealing her man all the time, then go along to the Melbourne in- International Comedy Festival and see Owen do it because it's going to be great. I've got a lot of research to do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and my other podcast is on Australian history. Uh, you can find that at uh, laststoptonowhere.com and you can follow Tights Camera Action on Twitter at TCA Pod. You can like us on Facebook uh, and you can give us a review on iTunes. That would be uh, great. Why not five stars? Why not? Maybe because. No, it- no reason not to. Five stars. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Over and out. Tank Girl out.
Please, please stop it. <laughs>